And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell on the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him, and there and there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak tree below Bethel. So he called its name Alon Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again, and when he came from Padam Aram and blessed him, and God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I give to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Sword of God, you may be seated. What's in a name? We don't think much about our names today. In fact, many of us, we have no clue about the etymology or the background of our, of our names. In the ancient world, it was more important. It was the first blessing or first curse in some cases of what you named your child, this new child. In fact, for Benjamin, his mom wanted to call him Benoni, which means child of suffering, except his dad instead names him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Our names are important things. It's how the world understands us. When somebody hears your name, they hear your voice. They think of times, things that remind you of them. I actually have playlists on my phone that remind me of my siblings. And I, named the, I put the playlist under their name and I tell them the different songs sometimes that are on those. Some of them make them happy. Some of them embarrass them. Um, but more important than the, what the world sees you as is how God sees you. More important than how the world call, what the world calls you is what God calls you. And we have Jacob here. As we've been going through Genesis, his name means heel grabber. He's been renamed Israel, but he's been going by Jacob. Isn't that amazing how you can have experiences with God? I mean, you can have life-changing experiences with God. And then after a while, go back to those same old patterns, to that same old person that you used to be. We forget who we are, don't we? We forget how, not just who God has created us to be, but who he's recreated us to be. And Jacob, he had forgotten that as well, because instead of even going to, by going by his word, going to Seir, he goes to this place called Shechem. And that was, well, that was last two weeks' um, messages here about how he'd gone to this place called Shechem. And just like his great uncle Lot, he pitches his, pitches his tents by the city of Sin. And then before long, he's built a house by there as well. There is good neighbors, Right. His, uh, his, unfortunately, his daughter, it gets violated 
Then his two, well, nearly oldest sons, oldest is Reuben, Simeon, and, uh, and uh, Levi are the next two oldest. They literally murder all the neighbors. And now they need to get out of there. Jacob is renamed by God to be Israel. God conquers. However, unlike his grandfather, Abraham, Jacob will go by Jacob and he'll go by Israel. As we finish up this story before we move into his sons, who also collectively are called the patriarchs, let's take a moment and realize that you can hear the voice of God. You can have a new name and you can still walk away as though nothing happened. But let me say this, you can't walk far because God will come after you. He will make you miserable if you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you can have your period of rebellion and it won't mean anything because you're just socially connected to the family of God. But if you are in Christ, he'll make it very uncomfortable for you. He'll allow the consequences of your own actions. In James chapter one, verses 23 through 25, it says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural faith face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be, a, he will be blessed in his doing. Can you put up my picture? It's not my picture. Somebody else made the picture. I, I took it from him. Um, legally, by the way. Um, I did a little trial thing of Adobe. <laughs> And I found this, I thought this is awesome because I like cats and everything. And I'm pretty sure if my cat buddy looks into a mirror, he sees like a black panther. But you know what we do is we, we look into the mirror of God's word. And this is what we do according to that verse is that we forget everything it says about us. And then we go about looking, doing, living the way we think we are or what we've been called to be. See, before we were in Christ, to look into God's mirror showed us our great sin. But now that we are in Christ, it shows us the great love of God for this sinner who has now recreated me to be something different. Jacob, he's going, he went by heel grabber his whole life. God had told him, you're no longer Jacob, you're Israel. But he keeps going by Jacob, not just physically, but also spiritually. He keeps going back to the things he used to, but then he finally decides, no, we're going back to Bethel. We're going back to the house of God, the place of worship, the place of intimacy with God. And God meets with him once again. And God reminds him of his new name. That's what Becca read for you just earlier. God reminds him that he's no longer Jacob. He is Israel. In Genesis 32, God gave Jacob that new name, Israel. But you have a new name as well. In Revelation chapter two, verse 17, he who has an ear, let him hear. Do you have an ear today? This is for you. So you don't have to have two for this, just one. He who has ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. In the time period Revelation is being written in and to the people, to the churches, this is written to churches, seven churches of Asia Minor. And in these places, this is one of the more richer province of the Roman, the Roman Empire. And here's what would happen in these different providences. If you're a person of means, if you're a person of influence, you got invited to parties. That's pretty awesome, right? 
And how you got invited to a party is that the person throwing the party, he would, he would take a stone and he would put the person's name on that stone and then his name, and then he would put it at the person's residence and you'd get up in the morning doing whatever Romans did when they woke up and you'd see this stone. You'd look under the stone. You're like, ah, we're going to go to the Johnson's party tonight. Now let's just pretend it got trampled by a deer or something. I don't know what they would say when they wanted to get out of something they didn't want to do. Um, and the people of means, and not everybody who's in the church of Asia Minor are people who had been poor, but people who are rich, people of influence. And they would have gotten these invites to these parties, but then they get saved and they go to work. They go to the temple, they go to wherever they're going. And they're telling them, have you heard about this Jewish Messiah named Jesus Christ? I got to tell you something about this, man. You know how like the, the Jews, they have their own thing. And you've heard about the, you know, them talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers. Because of Jesus Christ, I am a child of Abraham. I am a child of Isaac. I am a child of Jacob. And I, those promises that were spoken are now spoken to me. But if you, would, if you would repent and put your faith in just Jesus Christ, you would be that too. And you know what ends up happening? No more stones. Nobody wants that guy at the party. He really brings down the vibe. I mean, we're all wanting to get crazy here and he's talking about this Jesus guy. So all of a sudden, no more stones. They're not invited anywhere, but God tells them, yes, you've given up. You've given up earthly pleasures. You've given up earthly respect, but you will get so much greater in heaven because I've invited you to my party. I've invited you to my banquet. I've invited you to the lambs, to the, to the feast of the wedding feast of the lamb, the lamb of God. That is what that means, that there's this new name, whether that is metaphorical or literally you have a new name in Christ. You have this new name like Jacob did as well, Israel. We forget who we are just like Jacob does. We forget not just who God has created us to be, but who, he, who he's recreated us to be. It starts with forgetting the very heart of worship. That's why Jacob, he wanted, before he went to his father's house, he wanted to go back to Bethel because Bethel is the place of worship. It's a place of intimacy with God where he had this vision when he woke up in the morning, he said, God was here and I didn't even know it. I hope you have experiences like that. An experience like that when I was in junior high. And I wanted to do something religious and God met with me in my bedroom and it was amazing. And that's my Bethel. You probably have a Bethel. You wanted to go back to this place of worship and we have to go back to the heart of worship. It used to be a song we sang in church. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. We forget the heart of worship. And when we forget the heart of worship, we forget who we are in Christ. And we go back to the old person. We go back to those old things. By the time they're ready to lead Shechem, they were replete with idols to other gods. Shechem was a mistake and the toll was considerable. They are a stink in the nose of those around them. Jacob has tried doing things his own way. And now God once again will call him back to worship and will remind Jacob, not just who he was created to be, but who he was recreated to be, Israel. So my first point today, going over verses five through 15, and hopefully it won't be the end of the sermon. We kind of got off a little bit late here, but I hope I can do the second part too. But remember who and whose you are. And two, circumstances do not change your name. 
You look at the picture right there and the, the, the cat who's looking into the mirror, he sees a lion. Unfortunately, sometimes we look into the mirror and we're a lion and we see a cat. We're a sheep, but we see a lemming. In the book, in the book in the musical by uh, Victor Hugo, Les Miserables, the former convict Jean Valjean, he has made a new life for himself and he finds out through the grapevine that this man has been mistaken for him. So this man is going to go back to prison for his, for, his, uh, for his breaking the law, breaking his parole. And he has this musical number in the musical, and it's awesome, Wolverine's in it. And, uh, and the, 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 the music number is this, who am I? Okay, next to who you're going to marry, and next to what will you do with Christ? That is one of the most important questions you have in your life. Who am I? In the musical, in the book, John Valjean decides that even though he's made this whole life, he's been going by a different name, that even though physically he's changed, he needs to, he, he's also changed spiritually. And the old John Valjean would have let that guy twist in the wind, serve his sentence for him, except God had remade his heart. And he's been changed by grace. In fact, there's this moment in the book and the musical in which he's looking to steal the silver from a church. And the priest in that church says, I have now bought your soul with this. And obviously the, the, the gesture of grace, the gesture of mercy had such an effect on him. But that question right there, who am I? It's one of the most important questions you need to continually ask yourself because this world tells you who you are. Your sinful nature tells you who you are. The devil and his angels are eager to tell you who you are. So you need to go to the unchangeable, unshakable word of God. Not your, even your own heart, even though you have a new heart. Because in 1 John, it says that even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Who am I? Who who has God recreated me to be? Have you forgotten who you are? Jacob, we see here, has forgotten. God has to remind him. In verse five, they are, t- they are taking off from the area. How bad does things get when you run away from God? Well, for Jacob, for instance, his daughter is violated. His two sons murder the neighbors. So they decide it's time to get out of there. In verses six and seven, they return to Bethel. They don't just plan to, they actually get there. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all his people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Bethel means house of God. El Bethel means God of the house of God. It kind of seems funny, right? Because you're like, oh, okay, yeah, of course, God is the house, is the God of the house of God. Man, that's something we need to hear today because we can take the things of the Lord and worship them in place of the Lord himself. If John the Revelator in, in Revelation chapter 19 does that, believe me, you can too. I know so many people that one of the biggest idols in their life is praise and worship music. They love praise and worship music. They go to concerts and they are there and they are screaming, but they never connect with the very heart of God and they live lives of disobedience. But I got worship music playing in the background, pastor. It should be fine. There is no substitute for obedience. And Jacob even understands that he calls it God of the house of God. That 
Loving the things of the Lord is not the same thing as loving the Lord himself. The return to Bethel. And here's the thing about Jacob's life that is so similar to ours. No, it's not similar. It's exactly the same. We are in a constant need for grace. So you're here today, maybe you've messed up. You have your experience with God, but you mess up again. And now you're thinking, maybe God's just tired with me. Maybe I have really messed up things and God, he has just abandoned me now. Here's the thing, dear believer, and I don't care how righteous you think your life is in, your life is, you are in constant need of grace. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, it is grace at the beginning and grace at the end. So that when you and I come, come to lie upon our deathbeds and the one thing that should comfort and help and strengthen us there is the one thing that helped us in the beginning. Not what we have been, not what we have done, but the grace of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Christian life starts with grace. It must continue with grace. It ends with grace. Grace, wondrous grace. By, great, by the grace of God, I am what I am, not I, Yet not I, but the grace of God, which is within me. And somebody, and they were posting about the grace of God, and they're like, the grace of God is wonderful, but they said it's not the deep things of God. There is nothing deeper than the grace of God. The creation of the universe does not hold a candle to the recreation of a soul. that we have a continuing need for the grace of God. In verse eight, we, we kind of get this foreshadowing of towards the end of the chapter that even though he is in the middle of the, of the plan of God, he still deals with suffering, still, still deals with the different heartaches of life. In verse eight, Rebecca, uh, Rachel's uh, beloved nurse passes away. How do we know she was so beloved? They named, they named the tree that she's buried under the tree of weeping. So that's a little hint for us that even we can be right dab, smack dab in the plan of God, and we still have all the troubles that this life has for us. It gives us strength though. You see the reaction of Jacob after this and during this is so much different from before because when we actually give ourselves up to the care and control of God, it changes our perspective. In verses nine and 10, God appears to Jacob and reminds him of this new name. In verses nine and 10, God appeared to Jacob again and he came from Pararam and blessed him. And God said to him, your name, is, um, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. God appears to Jacob and he reminds him of this new name. We have to be reminded too, because just like Jacob, we forget. We start acting like that old person that God, has, that God saved us from. You know, we, we, we've been going through the Old Testament for a while right now, through the book of Genesis, chapter by chapter. You might wonder, why do we do this? Here's one thing, is that the Old Testament largely is descriptive and the New Testament is largely prescriptive. I mean, the New Testament tells us, this is what it is. This is what God's intentions for your life. Here's the theology, the science of God. And the Old Testament tells us, shows us, how does that work out? How do people fail in this? How do they succeed in this? And we then understand the Old Testament by via the, the New Testament and vice versa. It's the, here's another reason. It's the same God. Here's what's really cool. All right. So a couple chapters before this, Jacob is wrestling with, he says, God, that he's seen the face of God. 
In 1 John, it says that no one has seen God the Father, but we have seen the Son. So if he's seen God, he hasn't seen God the Father, he's seen the pre-incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ. He's wrestling with Jesus Christ. It's the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God, Jesus Christ he's wrestling with. I, I know I'm, I'm belaboring the point, but this is really awesome, okay? So in the Gospels in Mark chapter 16, uh, Jesus is talking about the incarnate Son of God is now talking with his disciples. And he's asking them, who, who do the people say I am? They have all kinds of, they have all kinds of uh, answers for him. If we ask people today, who is Jesus? We'd get crazier answers than people were saying then. Oh, Elijah, he's Moses, he's this, he's that, he's John the Baptist, but his head's back on or whatever. He says, but okay, who do you say I am? We don't see into the spiritual. We get the explanation of Christ here, but what's about to come out of somebody's mouth is not them piecing things together from the Old Testament to understand something now that's happening. It's not somebody reasoning out using their deductive or inductive reasoning skills. It is the very Father God who is speaking to this man. It's Peter. He goes by Simon Peter and Cephas. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is what the son of God who had wrestled with Jacob and asked Jacob, what is your name? He says to Peter, he says, blessed are you, Simon Bear Jonah, for what is revealed in you has not revealed by, by man, but by my father who is in heaven. I say your name is Peter. The son of God says, your name was Jacob, it is Jacob no longer, it is now Israel. And he says to Simon Cephas, you are Peter. And upon this rock, meaning the confession of the Christ, I will build my church. He is building the people of Israel when he renames him Israel. And then he builds his church on the rock. He says, what is your name? Your name is Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And you're worried as what's going to happen this next November. Have you forgotten your name? Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 through 24 says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, that is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You have a new name. You have a new nature. Have you forgotten it? I know I do, to be honest. In fact, very recently. So we forget to take off that old self and that old self comes back. We forget to put on that new nature. We forget to put on the armor of God. And, and it comes in so many ways. Now, of course, there's just open rebellion. Like you're, you're trying to turn away from God, but God just won't let you. That's one way we forget who we've been created in Christ. But there's other smaller ways too, because here's, here's my testimony the last two weeks. So this chapter has been just wrecking me the last two weeks. And I've been so excited to preach on it so I can move on for myself because there's just like new things all the time as I'm going through it. So two weeks ago, I'm doing one of my long runs. It's about, it's 13 miles, half a marathon. And I'm, I'm getting towards mile 10 and um, I'm uh, meditating on God's word here. And man, it's so important. Don't just read the Bible to get through the Bible. Meditate upon it, agonize over it. 
have it in your mind. Consider, okay, how does this apply to me? So, so um, during this run, before I came to this part, I'm, I'm, I'm having this total pity party. You guys ever have pity parties? You invite everybody, nobody wants to come. And I'm having this whole pity party of different things that are going on. And I'm just like, you know, woe is me type of a thing. Total ungrateful attitude, to be honest with you. And, and, and it's more than that, too. I want, I want you to understand, you know, I have this picture right here. Because this is the, the picture, except I would be on the other side, the lion. And I'm looking at myself as a kitten, as one who is unable to withstand what God has asked me to do, Right? I'm seeing myself as one who is just in over my head, somebody who is just deficient. And this is the temptation. These are the lies of the enemy that he comes at me again, probably my whole life. And so anyway, I'm having this. Then I start like, I start meditating on God's word. I start going over this. How, why, why is Jacob reminded here about God renaming him Israel, even though he keeps going by Jacob? And I, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the moment. You've forgotten who you are too. And I'm running along and I'm like, maybe it's, I'm on mile 10. Maybe I'm just being over emotional. But uh, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, I have forgotten who I am because I am not of the congregation of those who step back. I am not of those who are cowardly and do not step up. I, I, whenever these things happen, whenever the Lord reminds me of these things, how I'm starting to believe lies, I drowned it in truth. So I, and I'm so glad it's like humbled. It's Monday. So nobody's around. And, um, and I am like screaming this as I'm running. I'm like, I am Jason Michael Fisher, adopted son of the living God, co-heir with Christ, reborn in power, dearly loved. I am not of those who shrink back. I am not of those who say, why me? I am of those who stand with the strength that God gives. I am clothed in heavenly armor and I've been given an unbreakable promise. And that is exactly what God reminds Jacob of in verses 11 through 13. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, that is El Shaddai. Don't have Amy Grant playing in your head right now. Um, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. And I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. He reminds him of the unshakable promises he's given to his fathers, Abraham and Isaac. God is reminding you today of the unshakable promises he gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, I, I, I'm just going to summarize basically all Hebrews 6 right here is that God had made these promises to these patriarchs to show two in, unchangeable things. One, an unchangeable, invincible nature. And two, it's impossible for God to lie. And here's the thing. When we look into, God, when we look into the mirror of God's word, do we believe what's there or do we just do exactly what um, our verses earlier had said? We just forget about it. Because here's one thing from God's word from 1 John, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I talk with pastors about different things they've overcome. And I'll ask them this. Do you believe that God has cleansed you from unrighteousness? And they'll say, I believe it and I don't believe it. Like I intellectually believe it, but I don't feel cleansed from my unrighteousness. Well, you've just looked in the mirror and forgotten what you've looked at. 
You've looked in the mirror and instead of seeing a lion, you see a kitten. And you know what God's word says, but I don't believe it in my heart. So what does it matter? God reminds him of this, of, of the promises that had been made beforehand. He's reminding you of the promises too. You are a child of the new covenant, not the old covenant. And the new covenant gives you a new nature, a new heart. Not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh. It's an unbreakable promise. God repeats this unshakable promise to Jacob. God continues to keep it. This shows two things. Once again, his, his in, indestructible nature, and it's impossible for God to lie. In verses 14 and 15, we see Jacob honoring his commitment to God. He had made chapters before when God had appeared to him in Bethel, because he had told God that if he does, does what he had said, that he would be not only his God, but he'd go back to Bethel. He would make sacrifices and he would, and he would t- uh, give a tenth of all he possessed. Um, every commentary I read has no suspicion that he did not do that, even though it's not mentioned here about giving the tenth. In we have here the drink offering. This is the first mention of a drink offering in the scriptures. The apostle Paul would take the image of the drink offering to describe what it's like for those who serve God, serve the people of God with all of their heart. Philippians chapter two, verse 17. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the, your, the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. How easy is it to return? I'm sure for a while, it seemed very hard for Jacob. I only say that because he doesn't return for such a long time. 20 years before he returns home and a number of years before he had returned back to Bethel as he said he would. You know, if we go to the story of the prodigal son in in, in the gospel of Luke, we see the prodigal son thinking about returning home, but he thinks returning home is going to cost him badly. He thinks, I'm going to go to my father. And I'm going to say, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Make me like one of your, and the Greek there is doulos. It doesn't mean hired hands, slaves. Make me like one of your slaves. That's like so many people. They, they, they don't want to repent. They don't want to come back to the Lord. They know they need to, but they're like, it'll make me a slave. But the father sees you from a long way off and he runs and he embraces you. This has been in my notes, by the way, for a couple of weeks. I did not put in this after last night's band show. Um, but in the uh, musical, The Greatest Showman, based off the life of P.T. Barnum, that was one of the last songs in the, in the band show last night. And I told Becca, that is hilarious. One of the final songs, which is what they played last night, From Now On. I'm not going to give you the whole story of, of the musical or anything like that. But basically, he had started things... He had started things in a seemingly noble manner to give people a great show. And he had lost himself. He had lost who he was. He had lost the whole purpose of what he was supposed to be doing. Then lying in the ashes of this ruined attempt, he realizes from now on, he won't be blinded by the lights. From now on, from now on, he will do what he is supposed to be doing from the start. In the musical, I'm always wondering, it's like, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, like, are you still talking about a circus now? Probably not. But it's like for the believer, we have that moment where we're like, from now on, I'm going back to my father's house, just like Jacob, going back to my father's house, going back to Bethel, going back to the house of God himself. 
For the fake P.T. Barnum, it was reminding that it's not about lights or hobnobbing with kings and queens, but it's about the people in his life that matters. For you, dear one, who have forgotten who you are, it's coming back to know that the only thing that will give you satisfaction in this life is him. And this can be in dramatic big ways. It can be in small ways where we've forgotten who we are. This is going to be a three-sermon chapter. Wow. Because I'm going to end it here. Um, Worship team, would you come up at this time? Have you forgotten your name? Here's something, here's just a few things. When I thought about this, I was like overwhelmed because there's so many ways we forget who we are in Christ. But here's just a couple ones. Are you doing what you know in your heart you shouldn't be doing? Here's the second one. Are you not doing what you know in your heart you should be doing. And we could talk about sin. We could also just talk about, we know that God wants us to do something. We see it in the scripture, but we've been resisting it with all of our heart. You've forgotten who you are. You've believed the lies of the enemy and you need to shout back to the enemy. I am put in your name and I'm a son or daughter of the living God. And there is nothing, there is no enemy that can stand in front of me that God cannot overcome. Here's the third one. Do you think like the world? Are you aware of what you're thinking? It's called being metacognitive, but don't worry about that. It's not on a test or anything. Are you aware of what you're thinking? We're supposed to take captive every thought. Not just some thoughts when we're here at church. Every thought. Are you thinking like the world thinks? Do you fear what the world fears? Are you excited about what the world's excited for? How long do you go without talking with God, reading your Bible or, or praying. Can you go a week and it doesn't bother you? You've forgotten who you are. I would say if you can go a day, you've forgotten who you are. But if you can go for a week and you're like, it's just a normal week for me. You've forgotten who you are and you need to go back to Bethel. How about this? Do you remember your sins often? If you do, you've forgotten who you are because he remembers your sins no more. When you look in the mirror, do you just see corruption or do you see the work of God in your life? Do you believe that he has cleansed you from unrighteousness? Do you see yourself as the new person, holy, strong, and faithful, completely unequipped, completely incapable of doing anything good on your own still? That was that Latin term, remember? Simile justus eta precator, simultaneously justified but sinner. But do you also see the image of God in your life and the new creation in your life, who God has created you to be? Your name is no longer whatever your name is, it is Israel. Be encouraged. When the church in Ephesus in Revelation was dealing with very similar things when they were dealing with, they were forgetting their first love. He tells them, remember where you've fallen, repent and return to your first love. And I just, as we finish up here, as we get ready to respond to the the message with this last song, this is the thing I want to be in our hearts. Have I forgotten who I am in Christ? And if so, return. Speak the gospel over yourself once again, that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. But let's say today, I've been preaching all this and you're like, okay, this, I'm not even in Christ, Pastor Jason. 
I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you probably even thought as I was preaching this, some kind of Tony Robinson type of a thing, which I'm not. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And, And believe me, he will make you a new creation if you are doing that. He will give you a new name. I don't, once again, I don't mean literally. I don't want people going away from this and like, okay, I need to go to some place and I'm going to call myself like, I don't know, some weird name. There's a new name between you and the Lord. There's an intimacy you have with God.